You crowned him with glory. Glory is the highest heavenly substance. It's, it's, it's God himself and it's God manifested. The glory of God is God himself. No other force in the universe can stand in its presence. Learn with Gloria Copeland and Billy Brim today on the Believer's Voice of Victory, how God's glory is something tangible and seen. Hello everybody, welcome to the Believer's Voice of Victory. Billy's back with us and we're going to be talking about something that's so exciting. You do not want to miss it, about the manifestation of the glory. The manifestation of the glory of God. Oh, you know, by awesome. definition, uh, glory is the word kabod, and it means heavy. It means heavy with everything good. Splendor, Marvelous. copiousness. Glory. And by revelation from the word of God, the glory of God is God. It's the presence of God. Himself. Himself. Manifested. Almost every place where it talks about it, you could see, you know. So when I was working for Kenneth E. Hagin back in the 70s, I worked for him from 1970 to 1980, um, trans not transcribing, that would come to me already transcribed, but editing his teachings into books and the word of faith and lessons. And the Lord said to him, it would behoove you if you would look up every scripture in the Bible mm -hmm. on glory. Now, you didn't get to just punch a computer in those days and suddenly every scripture comes up like I've got right here on glory. <laughs> no, he had to look them all up. And he looked them up and he listed several of them. And when the Lord would show him, I would watch him. I'm sitting in the congregation. I'm the editor. I have to get what he teaches and preaches down, you know, for people. And when the Lord would tell him to use it, he kept it in the back of his Bible. He kind of jumped like this when God spoke to him. And he'd get those out and read them. Boy, we knew we were in for something. Because he's going to read those scriptures. Did he and teach on them as he went? Or? He actually didn't. He read them. He actually just started reading them. Wow. And as he read them, then sometime in that reading, they were going to come from the back like a cloud or like a wave of an ocean. Either way, it could be either one. While he, while he was while reading, he's reading about the glory. About the glory. It manifested. It manifested. Ooh, and it, it came in, it picked up the people and they would fall. They would come forth to the altar. Glory to he God. would step out of it, step out of the cloud so that he wouldn't fall. But we knew it was going to come. Wow. And, and the scriptures he would read, just, just to read you a few of them. Exodus 24, 16. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day, he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Verse 17, and the sight of the, the glory of, of the, the Lord, Lord. Mm -hmm. was like devouring fire on top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. Oh, awesome. Exodus 29, 43. And there I will meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be 
sanctified by my glory. The, the glory of God in the Old Testament, it manifested. See, the sight of the glory. There was something about the glory of God when it manifested. You could see it. Yeah. You could see it in the cloud. And apparently it was not a misty thing. It says like devouring fire. Fire. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that's like a mist. It's that's fire. You know, mm. fire came down on the tops of their heads yeah. when they received the Holy Ghost on the yeah, that's day of right. Pentecost. Tongues of fire. The glory. Yeah. Uh, then uh, verse 40, chapter Exodus 40, verse 34. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the congregation, uh, the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So he could not go in. He couldn't go in. So thick. Wouldn't that so be? So heavy with everything good. That's why people fall out under the power. Uh-huh. In, in Leviticus 9, 23, the last part of that verse says, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. All the children of Israel could see it. Second Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 14 on the next page. The priest, this is the temple now, could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Mm. I'm not going to, you know, go on reading them. There's pigs, there's scripture after scripture after scripture. We go over on into the New Testament and Stephen, when he's being stoned, he looks up and he sees the glory of God. But Brother Hagin would start, the Lord told him it would behoove you. So I figured if it behooved him, it would behoove me. And it behooves me now that you... Yes, right. It, it's behoove you. It's behoovable. You. <laughs> behoove. Commandment. Oh, behoove you. I tell you, that's big. It would behoove you. Hallelujah. Uh, a blessing. So mm -hmm. I, uh, I I then uh, started preaching about the glory of the Lord. This, and, an inter this is off subject. Uh -huh. Interesting scripture about being rich. In, in Psalm 49, 16, it says, Be... Not thou afraid when one is made rich, mm -hmm. when the glory of his house is increased. Yes, bless the Lord. Mm -hmm. Now, I then, uh, at the same time, I was teaching a Sunday school class in um, Collinsville, Oklahoma. And um, I, a lot of the people had come in, charismatic moves. Some of them were just babies. They'd been born again. So I decided they needed to know, you know, the story. They, they needed to know the Bible. They needed to know the plan. And this is God's plan right here. Yeah. And so we started in Genesis. From beginning to the end. Yeah. And, and we were using uh, the, um, one of Kenyon's books on uh, the Bible in the light of our redemption. And so I began with uh, Genesis 1-1, which says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And verse 2, and the earth was or became without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, I'm not going into teaching it right now. But there is a great deal of time between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. In Genesis 1-1, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. And anything He creates, the Bible tells us His work is perfect. It tells us that in um, Deuteronomy 32-4. 
in Psalm 111.3, it says, God's work is glorious. So he created the earth perfect. He created the earth glorious. But in Genesis 1-2, it says, and the earth became without form and void, which is tohu vabohu. I taught on that here before, and I'm not going to go into great detail, but the meaning of those words, I'll just take the word tohu in Hebrew, is formlessness, confusion, unreality, emptiness, chaos, and waste. He did not create the earth that way, but it became that way. So how much time is between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2? As long as true science requires. But the fact was, earth became a dark place. Until one day, the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon that earth and hover over it. And the next verse is, And God said, Let there be light. It had been dark. But now he says, Let there be light. And God is light. So let there be me. So without going into, and the Bible tells all about how it happened, you can trace some of the scriptures here. It'll give you a, a reference to Jeremiah 4.23, and it'll, it'll explain. So with the light came the clearing up yeah. of what was there. Yeah, and, and the recreation. Yeah. He recreated the earth. He, he didn't recreate the seed that was in the earth. He brought that forth, but everything else he recreated. All the plant life uh, was in the earth, but he recreated the animal life. He created man. And uh, what happened between mm -hmm. Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 was the fall of Satan, the fall of Lucifer, who became Satan, the fall of the archangel. But we're not going to go into all that right now. I do go into it in the book. But uh, I wanted to go into um, the glory. As I'm going through this and I'm... Um, I'm teaching at the Sunday school class and all about these things um, from the beginning. Then uh, at the beginning, there's another reference to the beginning in Psalm chapter 8. And in Psalm chapter 8, Gloria, uh, beginning with verse 3, this is an angel and he's watching the recreation of the earth. We know it's an angel because Hebrews tells us it is. So an angel said this, watching God. When I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of your hands you have put all things under his feet. Now, this angel is watching, and he's watching God create things. He starts off really by bragging on God. I watched you do this. It's just the work of your fingers. But I've got a question. Verse 4, what is man? Actually, that word in the Hebrew is Adam. Adam, we say. Why did you do that to man? What in this world Who were you thinking he? of? What is he? That's what it says here. How did you have him in your mind in today's vernacular? What in the world are you thinking of making this man? Yeah, that's a good modern translation. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and look at, you visit him. On now, top of making him. On top of making him, you go him. down to his house. <laughs> as far as we yeah. know, the angels always had to approach God. 
But here's one that God, speaking in modern vernacular, gets up off his throne, goes down there in the cool of the day in the evening, yeah. and visits him. Spend some time with him. What is this? Yeah, I can see why it got you everybody's attention. You can see why it got, him, it got their attention. Yeah. You have made him a little lower than the angels. Now, that word, that in your Bible is Elohim. It's I, I think Elohim, and it's the name of God. It's actually the plural of God, El, Elohim, with the Eem on the end of it, which shows the Godhead. You made him just a little lower than the Godhead. Now, the hierarchy that they had known for however long eternity is, and that they'd been created, they're created beings, angels. Here's what they've known. They have known God the Father, the one we call God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. That's what they have known. And then archangels, Gabriel, Michael, at one time Lucifer. So now they're saying, now, so what is look this? what you do here. You slip in one between God and the angels. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Imagine that. And no, not only that. They couldn't understand it. You made him have dominion over the works of your hands, and, and you put everything under his feet. You know, God, when he showed me the creation, he said, I didn't do it in a corner. He said, when I, and this is uh, what happened, you know, in Genesis. So great to read it. When God said, on the sixth day, God, well, he showed me this, Gloria. I'm going to talk about a, a vision that I had. And he showed me that he, he didn't do it in a corner. He said, I stepped to center stage, and I said something that rocked creation from the regions of the glory to the regions of the damned. Mm -hmm. I said, let, and I heard it like reverberate, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let, him have, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. So God made man in his own image. So that's what this angel saw. And that's what he heard. He said, you made, you gave them dominion. But before he said that, before he said, you gave them dominion, going back to Psalm chapter eight and verse five, it said, you crowned him. God, what is it that you thought up this creature and you put a crown on him? On top of that, you put a crown on him. Now, now, Gloria, you've watched on television the crowning of the Queen of England. You've watched all this pomp and circumstance, but this far exceeded Oh, my, yes. And here's a dumb, and at some eternal moment, God, he didn't ask Gabriel to do it. He didn't ask... Michael to do it. He walks over to the man. He crowned him. Crowns him. Glory to God. What did he crown him with? Not gold. God paved streets with gold. You crowned him with glory. Glory. Glory is the highest heavenly substance. It's, it's, it's God himself and it's God manifested. And God came over and he put up on Adam a sign of dominion, a crown 
Praise God. It's kings that have dominion. Yeah. And he put that crown of glory upon him. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't naked. He was crowned and clothed with the glory of God. Mm. And since he was crowned and clothed with the glory of God, when God came down to visit him, he could have perfect fellowship with God because he's crowned with the substance of God. He wears the substance of God. They talk. They talk about earth. Adam had a six-day work week given to him to see what he could do with earth. He named the animals when he was still walking in the glory. Hmm. But then Satan came. And probably the saddest verse in the whole Bible yes, is right. Genesis 3, 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God working, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And God said, where are you? And they said, I hid myself. I was afraid. So the presence of God, they no longer wore. And then God gives the promise of Jesus coming and those things happening. Now, when this was happening, Gloria, and when I was getting this revelation, the Lord gave me a vision I was getting ready to go to Sunday school class in the morning, early one morning. I had to get up early to get ready, you know, before the family got up. We only had one bathroom and, you know, two girls and two boys. It was boys very and, busy. Yeah. And so I put a roast on and I got up. I'm getting ready to go teach the Sunday school class. And I hear this voice behind me. And it says, up to the right, do you know Romans 3, 23? And my first thought was, thank God it's one I know. I'd been raised Baptist and... We led people to the Lord down the Roman road. And this is one of the first steps. So I turned around and I quoted it to the Lord, glibly glad thy passing the test. And I said, for all have sinned and come short of the <gasps> glory of God. And then when I heard that, when I saw that, it was like I saw men fall from this glory down to this miry clay. And I almost swooned and fainted. And the Lord recovered me like a ticker tape had entered into me. But the captain of your salvation, he based it, you know, on Hebrews 2.10. The captain of your salvation is bringing many sons to glory. So that revived me. And I saw down here Satan and the man cowering behind me, him. And the Lord said, to, it showed me Terry, my son. He said, I want you to look at the fall from my point of view. I said, I'd be glad if you show me. He said, I show, he showed me Terry, my oldest son. He was a cowboy. He rode bulls. And there he was standing in his jeans and his shirt with a big silver buckle, real skinny and tall. And uh, I always would hug my kids. You know, I'm a hugging mother. He'd sometimes say, aw, mom, but he liked it. And he said, what if you could not hug Terry? For if you hugged Terry, you would destroy him. You would burn him up. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I wouldn't be able to. I'd be like King Midas. I'd forget and touch, you know, he forgot and taught his daughter touched his daughter. And uh, he said, that was my position in the fall. He said, had I clasped the natural man, if a son falls, wants to clasp him to his bosom. But I had, if I had clasped Adam to my bosom, I would have destroyed him. He had become sin. 
I would have consumed him. I would have burned him up and with him all mankind. And Satan would have defeated me because I already has said, Mm. man's going to have dominion over the work of my hands. And Satan knew it. And he thought, Gloria, that he had defeated God. I saw Satan down there and the man was cowering behind him. And I saw him with a man behind him. It was so dark. And his voice was so, yeah, yeah. And he was saying to God, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? Because he, there was a great gulf fixed between the light and glory where God was and the darkness where man had become. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? And I was conscious that God did not answer him. And inside God, which I didn't see God's face, but I saw like white, which could be like billowing, could be like a robe even. And inside that was a door. And on that door was marked top secret. Hmm. And I thought, God doesn't have to do anything now. He already did it. Before the foundation Foundation of the world, world, Jesus was a lamb slain. Yes, that's right. He already had it. He knew Adam was going to fall. Praise God. He knows everything. He lives in eternity. It says in Isaiah 57, the Holy One lives in eternity. He already knew Adam was going to fall. He already had a plan. Jesus, through the Spirit, the New Testament tells us, had offered himself to be a sacrifice. He had offered himself to come to this earth and live in a body and a perfect life and be the sacrifice for sin. And when Satan down here is saying, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? God doesn't answer him. And he has a secret, a mystery that he does not reveal. The church is not a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. It's a secret that's revealed only in the New Testament. Things about our master are revealed, how he got our healing, all the wonderful things he did, our head. But the church is a divine secret, a divine mystery, and it's only revealed in the New Testament letters. Bless the Lord. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? Think about that. That's awesome. Billy and I'll be right back. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And remember, Jesus is Lord.